This is the Divine Truth Podcast. My name is Patricia Sanders, and we're listening to a seminar called Secrets of the Universe, presented by A.J. Miller in Australia in 2009. This is part 15. A.J., I came here this weekend with a burning question. Yes. And it's about your journey. And Whose journey? Yours or mine? Yours. Mine, okay. Yours. Yes. And um, I just want to know... I know you had a, a regular life before where you were working and all the rest of it. Did you just like wake up one morning and know you were Jesus? Or how did that happen? <laughs> um, it's a good question. It's, it's funny that lots of, lots of people have never asked me this question, even though I say I'm Jesus, right? So I find it interesting how many people don't ask questions about the question about whether I'm Jesus or not. But anyway, all right, let me describe what happened. It's going to be a summary, all right? So it's obviously there's a lot of emotions involved in this summary. And when I was, shortly after I was born, I was born with a lot of physical problems. So I had a lot of fear in my body and uh, those fear, the fears in my body caused a lot of problems, particularly in this region of my body. And as a result of that, uh, obviously I had some operations uh, on my bow and a few other things when I was very, very young. I was a couple of years, of, couple of years old. The fear has been with me all my life, that fear, and um, it's only just started to be released from 13 years ago onwards. But what happened was when I was quite young and I could start having, you know, you know how when you grow you start having your own memories, I would have memories of different things happening, memories of abuse mostly. Uh, which I couldn't understand at all. And uh, by the time I was around around 12 years of age, I'd blocked off all of those memories. So I'd done very, very similar to what an abuse victim would do with torture or, or um, sexual abuse. Just block it all off. So I actually remember sitting down one day when I was 12, I was in the backyard at... Uh, at a town in my hometown that I was born in Loxton in South Australia and I knew from that moment I'd never remember, this is how I felt, I'd never remember my childhood. Many of you don't remember your childhood, right? Still. And there's good reasons for that that you need to investigate, right? Because, you, because there's emotions locked up in that. Anyway, um, when I was seven years of age, um, I've always had a really strong bent towards God, always, ever since I can remember. I remember when I was about three or four years of age, sitting in our backyard in a little warm place, patting a cat, longing for God and missing my soulmate. I was four and I didn't understand any of the emotions of it. Right? And, uh, and so I've always had these connections with my soulmate and God that I couldn't understand. And uh, and when I was seven, my mother changed religion. She was a um, Anglican, Church of England, and she went through this big process of, of investigating different religions. But what she did was she compared all the religions with the Bible. How many of you have done that in your life? Like got out the Bible, a few of you, yeah. Got out the Bible line by line, you know, compared it to that religion. Like it's a pretty big job, and uh, considering how many pages there are there, but my mother went through this process, and she finished up narrowing down, down to three religions that she liked: uh, the Seventh Day Adventist religion, the Mormon religion, and the Jehovah's Witness religion. 
And the, the reason why she narrowed down to those three was because she felt that each one of those religions had quite a lot of connection with the Bible and were practicing the Bible in, in what she had read in the Bible to be. And eventually she studied with each one of those. So she went to, uh, you know, the Seven Day Adventists in our hometown and there weren't, wasn't many. And she went to the Mormons, in our, well there weren't any Mormons in her hometown but they'd visit and then she went to the Jehovah's Witnesses and there was uh, no Jehovah's Witnesses in our town either. There was in, one in the town about 30 or 40 miles away. Renmark for any of you who know South Australia. And uh, anyway, so she went through this process of studying and after uh, two years of doing that she, um, she narrowed it down to the Jehovah's Witnesses. So my mother became a Jehovah's Witness. And uh, and in the Jehovah's Witness faith, it's, uh, there's a lot of focus on the Bible, like re- literally reading the Bible and literally applying it. Now, um, what that meant was that I got, at a young age, presented with the Bible. Because before then, when my mum was a, uh, um, a Church of England, um, I wasn't interested in reading the Bible at all. And, and in fact, what I would read was my dad's Alice and McLean books which were, if any of you know, he's sort of like a crime war writer and by the time I was five years of age I was reading those books instead and uh, not, not anything to do with the Bible. But still having this longing for God and so forth. And so what happened then was uh, I started studying the Bible for myself. So I was around seven or eight years of age by now and I started looking through the Bible and there were some things that really, really affected me in the Bible. And I couldn't understand why. Sometimes I would cry reading it and I couldn't understand why. Anyway, that went on and by the time I was 12, I'd studied the Bible so well that my, I knew the Bible better than my parents. And, uh, and in particular, I'd focused on the prophecies of the Bible. I don't know if you know much about them, uh, but the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation, uh, all the books of the, the prophets in the what are called the Hebrew Scriptures or the you might call them the Old Testament. Uh, and I realised that there was a lot of prophecies relating to Messiah and relating to... And I started also co-relating prophecies with real life and I started feeling myself that the Bible was God's Word. So I actually, I can remember going through this feeling that the Bible was God's Word. So from then on, I devoted my life to the Jehovah's Witness faith. Right? And so I started knocking on doors you know, and uh, and my whole life was focused around it. I knocked on doors, started preaching. Many of you feel very confronted by me saying all of this, of course, but that's how it was. So I went through all of that, and um, and by the time I was sixteen, I just wanted to do the preaching thing full time. So I was one of these pests that came and knocked on your doors, <laughs> <laughs> trying to change your mind, you know. Anyway, so um, and then of course uh, I met a lady uh, when I was 16 actually, I met a lady and by the time I was 19 I was married to that girl and uh, we had two children and um, we were both in the Jehovah's Witness faith and I became what was called an elder in that faith. So I was up in front of lots of people and eventually up in front of thousands of people. There was one time uh, 5,000 people. Uh, that I would speak to at the time. So, so anyway, I did all of that. I was quite young still. I was now in my late twenties. So, I'd moved around a bit and, and uh, still in the faith. 
but starting to feel quite a lot of emotions about other people's misunderstandings of love. And I noticed a lot of lack of love being displayed. So even though we were, you know, trying to practice the Bible, on the other hand, there was a lot of times that the Bible, as I saw it, wasn't being practiced anyway. And in particular, with regard to the aspect of love, true love, you know, with, for everyone. And, uh, and so I started thinking and speaking a lot about love. And as a result of that, I moved to a new location and, and talked about love a lot. And in the process of moving to the new location, I found that the new location was even more unloving than the place I'd come from. And that just brought up lots and lots of different things for me. And eventually, because I was an elder in the faith, you had this role of policing the congregation. And what I mean by policing was that you, well it's not so much policing, but whenever somebody in the congregation broke the laws of so-called love, you know, but by now I'm starting to worry about this, but they broke the laws of love, you would actually talk to them. And, and if they continued to want to break the laws of love, you would go through this process with them where eventually if they continued to want to do that, you would remove them from the congregation. Does that make sense? So you'd disfellowship them, what it was called, or disassociate them. And in the congregation I was in, at the time, there were quite a few drunkards, and the Bible condemns drunkards, you see. So, so that meant that it was my responsibility to deal with this issue, and because I was an elder in the congregation. And in the process of doing that, I went through huge emotions that eventually I had a breakdown. So eventually I had this emotional breakdown. I was 32 years of age um, when I had the breakdown. It was, it was still emotions that I can feel now, you know, just terrible emotions of like not knowing, um, just not being connected to myself anymore, feeling, feeling the terrible anger and hatred that was being projected at me for just following what I believed the Bible was saying I should do in that role. And I finished up stepping down from being an elder in the congregation. And during this time, ironically, that I was going through the breakdown, um, for, if I describe a bit about my personal life, for the previous seven years I knew my wife didn't love me. My wife seven years earlier had fallen in love with another man and uh, although we were still together and she never left me, um, our relationship wasn't the same. And during that time also, uh, there was 13 years where she was depressed in our relationship from almost the time of our first child right the way through our relationship. She was very depressed as well. So I had all those pressures happening in my life and at the same time I had four companies. And I was trying to run these four companies through an emotional breakdown. <laughs> Does that, it sounds sort of like a super achiever type person, right? And it was like that. I was... See, in, in the Job's Witness Faith, you don't get paid for doing what you do. So you've still got to earn money using other means. Does that make sense? So I would earn money by doing my computer work in the companies and, and so forth. At this, at this stage, I only had, sorry, not four companies. I had, it's hard to remember with all the companies I've started. Um, yeah, no, actually, I had four companies, sorry. But, but there was a huge emotional problems with, the, with all of the other owners of these companies. And I finished up losing our house and all sorts of things went through during the same process or just before this process. And so I had all these different experiences where it eventually reduced me into just a pile of rubble, really. Uh, that's where I went to. 
And then on top of that, um, there was this girl that was interested in me and and so what happened was that I went through all this guilt and shame about actually feeling like I wanted to love this other woman and and it was a terrible emotions for me because uh, although you know we did act upon it at that time, it was like these terrible emotions of feeling guilt and shame that I was married and, and all these things. And so eventually what happened was I decided that I had to separate from my wife and I had to separate from the religion. And I did that in a very emotional time where I went back home and lived with my parents and uh, and allowed all these different emotions to come up, which over the next year and a half I spent most of my time crying, basically. Uh, dealing with emotions, not with God, because by this stage I thought God had condemned me as well. So I was alone now. And dealing with emotions, I would still see my boys uh, three days a week or so during this time and I'd have them for three days and then the mum would have them. And everyone, because I'd left the congregation, left the organisation of Jehovah's Witnesses, everyone treated me as if I was dead. So I, you imagine I'd been totally immersed in it and now everyone I knew, every single person that I knew, treated me like I was dead. My own parents treated me like I was dead. So I went through lots of emotions, <laughs> as you can imagine, about all of that and uh, worked my way through lots of things about those emotions. And as I was working my way through those emotions, a whole group of memories started coming up. Right. Now, I don't have any, at this stage, I don't have any beliefs in reincarnation. I have no beliefs in anything other than what I've been taught from the Bible, nothing else. But I feel totally condemned by God, right? So I don't have a relationship with God that I had all my life up until this point. But up that point, at that point, I felt that God had cut me off too. So I was working my way through these emotions and, and for the first sort of three or four months quite suicidal. And then I decided that what happened was just before I was thinking of suiciding, a friend of my boys, um, uh, they had friends and one of their friends was uh, a, a young, two children, a, man, a boy and a girl, and they went to visit their father and the father then brought them home and the next day he burnt himself alive in a caravan. And that sort of just sort of gave me a bit of a wake up because I could start, by this time, feeling emotion. I could start feeling the emotions that those children would have about that event. So I stopped considering suicide and instead I went to go and get some help. So I visited all these different psychologists and psychiatrists and everything and eventually settled on one who wanted to deal with my emotions because I knew by this stage that I had to deal with my emotions. And then eventually three months later I outgrew him um, because I started identifying his emotions better than he could identify. (laughs) So then I went to another one (laughs) And uh, did the same thing and then three months later, of course, the same thing occurs and outgrew him. But eventually I met a lovely man who was really focused on emotion and he was so good with it, really, really good with emotions. And one day I hope that you'll meet him too. He's not on the Divine Love Path, but he helped me for the next year. I visited him twice a week and every time it was an emotional processing experience where I went through causal emotion. And by this stage I'm getting used to dealing with emotions. So I'm alone, uh, living at this stage with my parents, dealing with causal emotions 
And then the woman that was originally attracted to me that I mentioned earlier uh, came into my life and she decided to leave the witnesses at this stage and, and she came into my life. But it was a very turbulent relationship where I only saw her once a month. So I'd see her once a month and then cry the rest of the month and see her once a month and cry the rest of the month. And I wasn't dealing with any causal emotion and, and as you can see I've obviously dealt with it now because I can think back on it in amusement. But um, um, uh, uh, I dealt with you know emotion, emotion, emotion and it was like, ter- it was terrible at the time. I can remember it was just terrible. I used to write pages and pages and pages and pages just on my computer. And in, in the end I got used to feeling emotions the first three hours of every day I'd just cry. And then I found if I did that, the rest of the day was pretty good. <laughs> and then my boys decided, through a lot of religious pressure, because my wife, my ex-wife and the boys were still in the religion, they decided they couldn't see me anymore. And I went through some really bad emotions then. Like, um, for, for about three or four months, uh, I cried pretty continuously. Um, and then I went through realising some things about God again realising that no matter what I've done, God would love me because no matter, even though my boys didn't want to see me anymore, I still loved them. Does that make sense? Like I still loved them. So so what I did was I started to phone them and sometimes they'd answer the phone, sometimes not, sometimes I'd get the ex-wife who would tell me off and, then, and so forth and I did that for another year or so until... A year and a bit later, I decided I had enough self-worth by this stage, so I'd been doing that a couple of times a week, that I'd go around and see my boys. And when I seen them, it just cut me up because my youngest son had grown into a man in that time from being a boy. And um, and I can remember just sitting down the road crying <laughs> about missing out on that part of his life, which I still feel a bit that I have. Anyway, during this time I'm still dealing with my emotions and I've got sort of a relationship that eventually, seven years later, died uh, because of the same reason why in the beginning and that is that there was never any real love there. It was all based on emotional injuries. But during this time I was doing this cause and effect thing. I wasn't dealing with the cause, I was dealing with the effects a lot, right? But during this time, I also was having huge memories of torture, abuse, uh, some rape memories, um, childhood abuse memories. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, I, I've got no idea what's going on. And um, I just believe that I must have suppressed my childhood so much that all of those things happened in my childhood. And I went through all sorts of emotions uh, through throughout that experience. I remember... One one time I was sitting down describing to the guy who was helping me these nails being getting hammered into my feet. And I couldn't understand it. I just thought, oh, it's it's a childhood trauma of some kind, you know. And I'm bawling my, and I cried for nearly six months about that one thing. Like it was just emotion after emotion after emotion. And then I remembered other events too. I remembered um, some... Uh, things related to my fears of dogs and all these other different things. If you can imagine fragments of your life all sort of coming together emotionally. Does that make sense? Like whatever you can cope with, whatever you don't fear is what will come up next. So the more I dealt with another emotion, another emotion would come in and so forth. And that's what it was like for the next uh, seven years. So I spent a lot of the time alone, a lot of the time processing emotion, 
and a lot of time working my way through all of these traumatic events. And eventually, um, I came uh, to get to a point where I thought, where, and by the way, during this time, I started three other businesses, <laughs> um, which, uh, which just added to the in turmoil of uh, my life. But, but I was controlling it, it really well because I was dealing with emotions now, which meant that things went, worked pretty well. So I became quite abundant. In fact, at one point, I had, uh, by this stage, I was, my ideal was to work towards getting enough money to create a place for children to work through their emotions. So that, the way I did that was I started developing, developing property. And so I worked through developing property and got a lot of stuff together there and eventually I got to have 13 or 14 properties and started to work my way to, to what I thought would be the goal of eventually selling all of these properties, leveraging them into what I wanted to do. So I'm still dealing with emotions, I'm still dealing with all these memories and they're really traumatic memories and quite often I'm out of action for a day or two or more at a time as I'm dealing with them. And uh, eventually this relationship, this, uh, that on-off, on-off thing was off and uh, I went through a lot of emotions about that because I thought it should be on. And, and then about a year and a half after that I met this lady who challenged me about seeing a medium. I've never seen a medium in my whole life. Right? And I disagreed vehemently with them. The reason why is because in the Bible it says, what? For those who know. It says it's a work of the devil, right? Basically. Anyway. So, anyway, after a discussion, and she triggered so a lot of my emotions in the discussion, I decided I'd go along to one. And this lady... Uh, and by this stage I'm feeling pretty good actually. I've, I've dealt with seven years of memories about sexual abuse, torture, rape and so forth. And, you know, and so I'm in a fairly good state, right? I'm feeling really good. My empire is building, right? that I'm enjoying that, you know, enjoying the process of that. I'm driving around in my sports car and starting to enjoy my life, right? And uh, I thought I was starting to really get things together really get things together, emotionally together. I felt really present emotionally most of the time now. And I felt really good about my emotions and my emotion presence and so forth. So I go along to this medium and she says, oh, you know how you've been dealing with all this stuff? And I said, yeah, yeah. I thought she was going to say, you've been doing really good. Well, she said, actually, there's a huge castle you've built around your emotions and you haven't begun to release them. And I'm going like, <laughs> my God, like, I've just come out of like seven years of every day almost crying, right? And I'm going, and so I asked the details. She says, yeah, no, no, they won't tell me anymore. Just that there's this huge castle and you, and you need to do a few little processes and one of them was the journey process. She, she said, you need to do a few little processes and that will help you open up a little bit more to these other emotions. I don't care what other emotions could there be, you know, like honestly. And by this stage I had a fairly firm belief that uh, God loved me. I had a fairly firm belief about God and how God interacts with people because I could feel it in my life. And I had a fairly firm belief still about um, emotions and, and processing emotions. And I had a pretty firm belief that I dealt with everything. <laughs> Yeah. No, no. 
Not true. Not true. Anyway, I go along and, and, and in this, this woman who was challenging me, we started to have a very short relationship and I upset her. And in the process of upsetting her, I, I realised that I seem to have a lot of trouble with women still, <laughs> for some reason. And so I went home and I just cried and cried and cried about how useless I was with women. Like, and so what I did then was I, I just remembered for some reason, and nothing, I don't know why it was, but that I had a love of truth before and I seemed to have lost it. And I was so focused on relationships and being happy in every aspect of my life that I seem to have lost this love or desire for truth. And so, anyway, I, I do a pretty weird thing. Um, I get on the internet and go to Amazon and write down truth and enter, you know. And I get a list of books about truth. And so I start searching, you know, this was at night, I was crying. And it's at night, I was crying because I'd just broken up with this relationship. So I've only had three relationships in my life. and and this third relationship, besides Mary, that is, I should say, um, besides the pure one, um, the, 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 in this relationship, um, it was just there to trigger these emotions about, uh, to cause me to get into truth, you know. So anyway, I write truth, write down truth, there's a long list, I think it's three or four hundred books. And I start paying, scrolling down, crying, you know, crying, 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 scrolling down, the title's reading, the title reading, the title reading, the title. And all of a sudden I read one title, I burst out crying, and I go and sob, 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 and, I go back and have a look and the title says Angelic Revelations of Divine Truth. So I decide, oh that's weird, so I go down and down and down and down and down and all of a sudden there's another one, I've forgotten by this stage because I'm still crying, the first one. And, and I'm still crying so I go down 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 this. I see another title. It was Angelic Revelations of Divine Truth Volume 2. <laughs> but I didn't realise that. So I read that and oh, I'm burst out and I'm down on the floor sobbing again, right? But then I thought, what was, the, what was the one of the other ones? So I go back up the list and sure enough it was Angelic Revelation of the Divine Truth Volume 1. So I buy them both. Right? And then um, I buy them. Yeah? But, but, you know, it's Amazon and it's US and it's going to be three weeks before it comes to me. I'm like, I can't wait three weeks. So I then think, like, the thing that's been with me all my life is the truth is free. The truth is free. The truth is free. God wants to give us the truth and the truth is free. Okay, so I shouldn't have to buy it on Amazon. So I get on the net now and I type in Evangelic Revelations of Divine Truth. And lo and behold, there's a lot of sites that have it for free. Downloadable. Now I have a little dial-up modem thing going on, right, at my home. None of this fancy internet stuff nowadays. And anyway, although I'm a computer consultant, it's just that the the place where I lived, which was on a beach, didn't have ASL or any of those fancy things. So so what I did was I had to download them using a dial up modem. <laughs> now I'm in I'm in like major meltdown by this stage because I really badly want it. So what I decided to do is find another site that's got anything to do with those same messages and then I search for soulmates. I've always had this belief in my whole life that I'm missing my soulmate, right? Just missing her. And I still have, you know, I'd spent seven years crying about it in a previous relationship, but still I have this same feeling. So anyway, I get down all the messages that are soulmates and I decide to download all them and they only take an hour and a half. 
So I download all them first, put them all in document, print them all out. I've got a laser printer, so that's... And then grab them, and I'm reading... This is now midnight, one o'clock in the morning. I'm reading, reading, reading the soulmate messages and crying my eyes out because exactly what they're presenting is exactly what I believe about soulmates. Anyway, I'm so keen now to get the angelic revelations of the divine truth. So, so, so I download the rest and by the next morning print it all them out and I start reading. Two weeks of reading, crying my eyes out the entire time, in between eating occasionally. I got really sick, so I had to do that as well, vomiting, whatever. All that happened at the same time, start vomiting and all this thing, reading these messages, crying. And that's my life for the next two weeks. I stopped all my work and that's all I did. Anyway, I, by the end of the two weeks, because I cried a lot, you know, between I didn't read very fast, and normally I'm a very fast reader, but um, by the end of two weeks, I get to this point of, of, you know, the second volume. So I've gotten through one of these volumes, lots and lots of crying. The reason why there was lots of crying is because every single thing they presented was exactly what I had now come to believe, not through my Bible teachings or anything like that, but through the feelings that I'd had up until that point. And I couldn't understand how this could be the case. Right? Anyway, I'm so overjoyed with this truth that I'm getting that I can't think of anything else. So, so now I'm just like fixated on this truth. You would have called me obsessed, guaranteed. Anyway, so I'm obsessed with this truth. And the truth is, uh, and so I start reading the next one. And then I notice that I hadn't noticed before that had been happening all the way along. And that is, I knew in advance what every message was going to say. And, and I just, like, I could not understand it. I just could not understand it. So, you know, anything you don't understand, you put aside, don't you? And that box. But, but it keeps coming back to me. Like, why is this? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? It's like somebody's prompting me, you know. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? I've got no idea why it's happening. But I'm starting to get quite distressed about it. Because it, it's eerie, you know. It's now feeling like eerie. You know how you get that thing that you're in something and it's so joyful and everything, you go along with it, go along with it, and now it starts getting eerie, sort of, oh, it's just like, anyway, it really bothered me. And I couldn't resolve it intellectually, I didn't know why. Anyway, and I start the second volume and sure enough, every time I read a message, I know what it's going to say. It says, oh, the truth about God, I know what the truth is about God, I write it all down. Then, sure enough, present, exactly what I've written down is what the message was saying. Next subheading, truth about spirit world or whatever, and I read that and same thing goes, I write it all down. These are not the same as my beliefs, by the way. These are not the same beliefs as what I grew up with. They're just totally new concepts and yet I seem to know them in advance of reading them. So, I then all of a sudden get this inspiration to start drawing the universe. So, I start drawing the universe, you know, the spheres, the spheres, the spheres, the soul, God up top, the soul union state, the progression to the soul, you know. And all I'm drawing, drawing, drawing now, like, so I'm drawing. And None of this is coming from outside of me. This is all stuff. There's no spirit involved. Nobody's telling me. Nothing's going on aside from it. It's all just coming from inside of me. It's all stuff I know I know. Do you know what I mean? So I draw all of this stuff, all of these universal things. 
And I'm just wrapped. Like, I'm so happy. I'm overjoyed. Like, all of this stuff that just flowing, flowing, flowing. And I'm emotional the whole time, of course. So it's all flowing all the time. <coughs> and then wham, one in the middle of all this, I remember who I was. Just, I can't explain it other than that. Just remembered. And then all of this crap came afterwards. Like, so I remembered I was Jesus. And I cried and cried, like sobbed my heart out for days on end about it. Because I don't want to be Jesus. I didn't want to be Jesus. I didn't want to be any... By this stage before then, I was feeling like I was going to teach this. I knew I was going to teach this stuff. But I didn't want to be Jesus and, and, and I, you know, you know, no one's going to believe me anyway. Like, would you? No, of course you wouldn't. After hearing that story, you wouldn't. You wouldn't believe I'm Jesus after hearing that story, that's for sure. So, 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 like, like, I'm in terrible emotional turmoil by this stage. I know who I am now, which is a beautiful thing, to know who you are. I know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. That's a beautiful thing too. But it just is like, there's so much fear now because not only was I now having these desires built in me about all these things, but I was now having memories of my life in the first century. Thank you for listening. The website for this show is divinetruthpodcast.wordpress.com and you can find AJ and Mary's website at divinetruth.com. Their YouTube channels are Divine Truth and Divine Truth FAQ.